Megan. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to the Travel Mug Podcast. Every episode, we talk about travel destinations, interesting trivia, and even some travel fails. Let's dive into today's episode. Don't forget to travel mug. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Travel Mug Podcast. And today, we are finally chatting about ethical travel. Uh, I know we've been kind of teasing it for a while now, and we're finally like, okay, now is the time to tackle this. So it's actually so much information that we decided to break it up into two episodes. So there'll be this one, and then there'll be a second one coming. We're both passionate about learning how to be better travelers and just overall better humans on this planet. And the ethics of travel are really complex. We're definitely not experts. We are learning like all of you. So in this episode, we're going to try to explain some major travel issues and how we can do better in the future. So why don't you start us off with the first topic, Megan? All right. Hey, everyone. So we're going to start off today chatting about um, animals and animals in regards to, of course, ethical travel. So ethical animal tourism actually means observing them in their natural habitat. And this should always be done through research that I was reading, of course, by supporting companies who do just that. So observing them naturally and obviously recommending those to others. So those companies that are doing the same thing. So if people have interest in doing it, recommend the companies you know are ethical. Um, Ethical animal tourism does not mean swimming with penned dolphins or dolphins in the ocean at all, uh, riding donkeys up the mountains in Greece, um, or riding elephants with chains around their ankles who are used solely for the purpose of human enjoyment. So I know this is sort of a heavy topic, but Jen and I are both feel really passionate about it. And I'm going to admit, I haven't always looked behind the curtain, I guess, so to speak, to examine the idea of ethical animal tourism. I've always cared about animals, but there was a time, you know, a long time ago when I was younger, when I didn't really consider what was actually happening to these animals or like what their circumstances were. It never actually crossed my mind, which for me today, it's kind of mind boggling that that was the case. So admittedly, back in early 2000, I did swim with dolphins uh, on a trip to Cuba I do, of course, regret it immensely, but I also classify it under when you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also visited many zoos over the years as well, including local zoos here in Nova Scotia, all the way up to the San Diego Zoo in California. Now, one thing I will say about zoos is that some, although not all, are making a stronger push toward animal conservation and breeding animals that are high-risk species. But again, And we'll probably say this several times throughout the episode. It's going to be about doing your research before you give your money to any zoo. So for all of us to do better, what we want to do is provide some tips of things you can watch out for to do or not do when traveling and when it comes to animals. So Jen, what's the first tip? So the first tip is do your research. <laughs> mm, really? So no matter what like you have in mind or you see in a nice glossy resort pamphlet that looks amazing or you find online that calls it a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, think about the where, the why, and the treatment of the animals and the cost to those animals for performing it as what are they, whatever they're doing for human enjoyment. Like research it, but like if you have a feeling in your gut about it, that's probably a good indication that it's not the right thing to do. 
Yeah. Trust your gut. (laughs) Something I've also done again in the past that I would never do again is, and I want to highly recommend to avoid selfies with wild animals and really any animals, unless you of course are alongside of the road and you see a deer or something and you stop (laughs) and you want one, like it's fine. We're not saying don't have any fun, but I guess what we're saying is whether it's on a tropical beach and there's a cute monkey being paraded around in the hot sun or a beautiful parrot, or in a faraway land, maybe an opportunity to have a selfie with a tiger. Just don't and don't support it. Oftentimes, the larger animals in particular are drugged so that they're acting a certain way. And although I'm sure not all the time, they're often not treated properly. They're out in the sun and the heat for long periods of time. I would also include in this um, carriage rides in cities pulled by horses. They're often overheated and dehydrated. I also, send, you know, I hear people say that, you know, you want to support the proprietors and they have to make a living, but it doesn't mean you have to support it. So yes, they have to make a living, but you don't have to be the one to support it. Um, and of course, there are tips and things you can do as well if you want to take on in the activism stream. You know, if you see something that's, you know, the carriage rides or, or the selfie opportunities, just choose not to. That's mm-hmm. a tip that we would have. Yeah. Um, so our next tip is don't ride elephants. The torture that these beautiful animals go through to be trained to carry humans um, when the animal when they're just babies is is actually horrific. And yeah, we, it was hard for us to research because it, it hurts my heart. Yeah. Um, so there are like supposed animal or elephant sanctuaries, but do your research, do your research, do your research. Um, money's so often a driver of these types of things. So no matter how good it looks, it probably isn't as far as when you actually pull back the curtain. There are often petitions online to help save or end these practices, and it is something else that you can do. You can also donate money um, so that this doesn't happen, but you do not ever need to ride an elephant. I mean, no matter how amazing that sounds to you, it just, it never needs to happen, and uh, it just continues their life of torture, unfortunately. Yeah, that was a really hard one to sort of do like any research on because the first picture I found was like this baby animal elephant, I should say, being stretched with like chains around its feet. And it's it's a lot and that kind of stuff sticks with me. So I'm sure we could have researched a lot more, but it's very hard when you're Mm -hmm. looking at that kind of thing. And we're just all trying to be aware. So I would say the fourth tip um, that we have is The option to interact with animals in their natural environment doesn't mean that it's ethical animal tourism. So what I mean by that, as an example, whale sharks and the option to swim with them. So out in the wide open ocean, you'd think, oh, you know, what's wrong with that? But like the tigers that I mentioned earlier, they are fed from the tourist company boats and they're often actually drugged from that very food that they're given. And it makes them docile and allows humans to get that quote unquote experience and selfies and the abilities to say, look what I did. So again, just don't like, it's hard to imagine the fact that you think you're doing something that's okay because it is their natural habitat. But again, you have to do your research and understand why is this happening and why are the whale sharks okay with this? Like there's got to be a reason behind it. They're wild creatures and that's not normal because it's not. I, I mean, 
I want to say I can't believe they would drug them, but like I can believe they would drug right. them. Yeah. But I I guess that literally never crossed my mind. No, it that they were doing mind. that. Nope. That is horrendous. Yeah. So our last tip um is safaris. So Obviously, I think there are safaris that are out there that are in a more ethical way. They are um, observing from afar. They're not allowing you to interact with the animals. And so they're out there. Um, You know, if a safari is much cheaper than others, maybe it's for a reason. Um, So, yeah, do your research before you look at it before you book any type of uh, safari trip. Yeah. And I definitely have a dream of like uh, wanting to go on a safari, but we all have the internet. We can all find out uh, about safaris being offered. Yeah. Most of us know at least one travel agent or we're a couple degrees away from a travel agent <laughs> in our life. And you can really uh, reach out to understand which companies are ethical and respectful. Mm-hmm. They can be done properly. Of course, safaris definitely can be. Um, but they can also be done in a way that causes the animals stress. And really that's anything but ethical. So know and love a travel agent and get the right information. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And before we move on, like we just want to say again, in regards to even just the animal piece of this, there's so much more to learn and read about and research. So more than anything, going back to what we mentioned in tip number one, educate yourself and do better. Animals should never be used for human amusement in any way that puts them in distress and maybe just any way in general, unless you're playing like, you know, stupid cat tricks or something with your own (laughs) cat. Like, you know... (laughs) But you know what's right and wrong, yeah. and, and if it feels wrong, it, it probably is. Yeah, I agree. What's next, Jen? So we're going to switch gears um, to reducing waste and sustainable travel ecologically, I guess. So actually, this is something that I've been focusing on in my everyday life and therefore my travel life, um, reducing waste and just being more sustainable on the planet. So I have a couple of ideas of things you can do while you're traveling. So the first one is to actually refill uh, reusable small travel bottles instead of buying uh, new small bottles every time you travel. So you need for like shampoo and stuff? Yeah. Or is that- yeah. yeah, like shampoo, conditioner, face wash. Yeah. That sort of thing. Like usually the the container you normally buy is too big to take with you. So um, refilling those. There's also options like buying a shampoo bar, using bar soap, like things that don't come in plastic in the first place. The shampoo bar is okay to travel with, but I find the small bottles better. So I just refill mine from my usual container. Yeah, I have those too. Yeah. The second tip is to buy luggage and travel accessories that will last instead of buying cheap ones that will end up in the landfill quickly. So just spend a little bit of extra money, get something that will last you quite a while, and then you're not replacing it too often. Um, My next tip is to bring a reusable water bottle or and or a travel mug with you. Oh. A travel mug. A travel mug. Uh, So you don't have to buy bottled water where you are. If it's possible and safe where you're traveling, there are also options um, like a life straw and that sort of thing that kind of turns any water into um, drinkable water. But, you know, do your research. Those options are out there. 
The next thing I do is I actually bring cutlery cutlery with me so I don't have to use disposables. So I bought a little like pouch that has a fork, knife, a butter knife, and a spoon in it. And I like it's pretty small, it's pretty light. I throw it in my purse. It's in there when I need it. I pull it out and then I just wash them when I get back to the hotel or whatever or back home. Like that's a great idea. It's actually really convenient and I don't know. Sometimes you, unless they're like the plastic ones are wrapped in plastic. Sometimes I wonder if people have touched them. So anyway, <laughs> well, you touched my utensils. So. Uh, at least if the ones come from my purse, I know it's me that touched it. <laughs> and my last idea is to buy souvenirs that you will actually use and not just send to a landfill. Uh, sometimes I know if we're buying for other people, we'd sometimes just buy like a cheapy little thing that the person might not even want, but you're just buying it to buy something for them. And like, that's a waste of money and not good for the environment either. And usually those cheapy, cheap things are like made in China and just junk. Well, that's the thing. I like to collect magnets. And then, you know, Peter eventually pointed out, he's like, you should maybe check if the country that we're in actually made that, like people from this country or did it come from China? So again, not something I really thought of. I'm like, oh, it's the cheapest magnet, but really why not spend again a couple more dollars and have something that was made domestically? Then you're actually helping the people of the place that you're in. Yeah. I think I'm kind of similar actually, because I like travel or not travel mugs, but regular mugs. And I definitely have a lot of mugs that are like more of the mass produced type mug. And like, I love them. Um, But now I'm more focusing on like a pottery mug that somebody made in that spot. So, and I mean, they're usually a little bit more unique and different uh, and it supports an actual like artisan. Right. Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about with reducing waste travel is a carbon footprint. So if you haven't heard this term before, carbon footprint is basically the total amount of greenhouse gases that are generated by our actions. So we all have a carbon footprint. It's going to happen. You can't have a zero. But travel inherently increases your carbon footprint. And actually, according to sustainabletravel.org, tourism is responsible for 8% of the world's carbon emissions, which... Yeah, it's, it's crazy. There's things that I didn't think about. Um, so we want to kind of give you some tips to offset and reduce your carbon footprint. So my first one is donating to an organization that plants trees to offset your travel, um, carbon emissions. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to tree Canada, especially if you're in Canada, it's a great place to go. Um, it will let you Uh, calculate your carbon emissions. So you can actually put in like, I flew from here to here and it'll calculate that for you. And then it gives you the option to donate to offset them, which was my goal in 2020 was to offset all of my flight carbon emissions. How'd that work out for you? Well, you know, I didn't make any, so I guess. Yeah, there was that. There was that. (laughs) Gold, the, nope, the silver lining. Yeah. Gold lining. (laughs) That's awesome. I will definitely check that out. Thanks. Do you have a next tip for reducing carbon emissions? I do. Consider your travel method. Now, 
when I think of this, it takes me back to a couple of years ago, I think when Greta Thunberg took a boat across the Atlantic to come to New York to speak yeah. at like the climate conference instead yeah. of taking a plane. Yeah. And she did that to, to prove a point and there was a purpose behind it. So it really does make a difference. So as an example, tr- another example, I guess, besides Greta, <laughs> um, traveling by train versus plane. Um, so planes emit 0.82 pounds of CO2 per passenger mile and trains emit 0.13. So that is remarkably less in regards to the train. Yeah. Now, as another example, tour buses and ferries have the least amount of pounds of CO2 per passenger mile. So I think that that's great. Like if you have the option, let's say Greece, uh, we're fo- we follow a travel vlogger on YouTube and he's in Greece now and like he's never set foot on another plane since he's gotten to Greece because, and there is options to do yeah. so, but he's been taking ferries between the islands. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense. So yes, I can't, you know, I can't take a train to Greece, but once I'm there, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish I could, but like once I'm there, what decisions am I then, then making? to Mm -hmm. make a difference. So I think that that's a great suggestion. What else do you have, Jen? Definitely. So our next one is kind of the same idea, but using public transportation or walking, like those are great options as well to, uh, to reduce your carbon footprint. I would say also, um, booking direct flights. (laughs) When you go back to your New York trip, I bet you could book those. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm shaking my head for those that can't see. But yeah, like, I think this makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it's the preferred thing anyway. So why wouldn't you do it, A? And then B, you're going to be leaving less CO2 behind. So try to get that direct flight for a number of reasons. I hope Halifax has more direct flights when we get really get going again. Because that would be awesome. It is tough here. Like, obviously, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, when it's bigger. Bigger centers don't have as much of an issue. So yeah, Yeah. you're right. We do what we can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So my next one's with hotels. So refusing housekeeping and or just telling them that you'll reuse the towels, like don't change the sheets. Most hotels do this now anyway, Um, but I actually worked in hotel housekeeping in high school and we changed the towels and the sheets every to every day in yeah. rooms. And it's like, what a huge waste. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't change your sheets every day at home. You do not need them changed every day <laughs> at a hotel. Who are you kidding, sir? You don't, you don't change your sheets at home daily. <laughs> it just wastes so much water, like so much water. So anything we can do. Yeah, I agree. And then our last uh, tip for reducing your carbon footprint is to eat local food and reduce food waste. I mean, this can go literally for your everyday life, but it certainly also applies when you're traveling. A, support local vendors, local food, wherever you're at. And B, don't buy too much and and don't waste. I mean, I think those are just good tips to live by in general. Yeah. I think, and I know we talked about this, uh, what episode was that? Last week? Yeah. The last one about the portion sizes in America and uh, is what we were talking about. And they're yeah. huge. Like I can never finish a plate basically. <laughs> so sometimes I ask if I can order like a half size or like a 
kids portion of something or I know you're laughing at you're me. like look at me I'm tiny I need a child but I just I can't eat that much and then sometimes no. if we're staying somewhere where we have a kitchen I can take it back with me and then reheat it later yeah um so that's don't be scared me. to ask those questions it's a great idea I know well it, it just most of the time they're pretty accommodating like it's just I, my husband tells this story all the time. We went to Olive Garden and he ordered some chicken pasta dish and it came with like, it was like a full pound of pasta, two chicken breasts and like an entire head of broccoli. I'm like, what is this? It's too much. That's, oh my, that's like enough for like a small family. It is. <laughs> That is not necessary. It is not necessarily. And and not really local food either. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and again, we're also not saying never go to a chain restaurant. No, no. But we're just trying to say if you are trying to like think local and think about your imprint in the world, then I think that this sort of is a, is a great suggestion. Yeah. That kind of leads us into our next topic, actually, which is booking local or eating local, just thinking local to wherever yeah. you are. And we've talked about this before. Like we're really passionate about supporting small local businesses here at home and where we go. Like we shout out to local businesses in like almost every single episode. Definitely. And we just love them. So when you book at a locally owned hotel, eat at a locally, you know, eat at a local restaurant, travel with a local guide, shop at a local store, you're supporting an actual family and the local economy. And not to mention like how amazing it is to actually chat with an owner or the artist. Like I know we've done that even just here in Nova Scotia. It, it makes the experience so much better. Yeah, like the Walton family don't care that we're at the Walmart. But like when you're in like a locally owned store or like us with some of our favorite local uh, locally owned hotels or inns or whatever, that's what you remember. Those are the experiences that you have chatting with people, even if they don't own the store or made or have made the artwork or whatever. Usually the people are working there for a reason because they're interested and they have stuff to chat about as well. Like those are the experiences that are the memorable ones when you go home, not picking up an item at Walmart. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And like we've talked about before, staying at Locust and Star, like, I mean, the inn is awesome, but like Lisa makes the experience. Yeah. And so it's just, I think you just have a better experience no matter where you go. And I did want to talk about, I was, we're going to talk about this a little bit um, in the next episode too, but Airbnbs are, I mean, you are supporting a local person, it's it's a gray area for me. And I know we've talked about this on our accommodations episode too, because you are supporting a local person, but you're also supporting a company like Airbnb. You are. Yep. Clearly makes money from that um, booking. And then as well, the housing situation, which I said we are going to talk about, but I would just think long and hard and maybe look at other options in addition to Airbnb to make sure that is your best option. Oh yeah, definitely. You're, you're exactly right. And I know that we talked about this before and we've stayed in Airbnb. I think the biggest city we did was 
Dublin, but oftentimes, and, and I'm certainly in no way making an excuse at all. Most of the places though we stay at Airbnb are like places in the woods. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not generally downtowns anywhere. And that's where I think is the biggest problem. I'm sure it can be a problem in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the downtown cores of cities um, are usually the biggest issue with that. But yeah, it, it's one of those things. Like if you can get even more local than that, why not? Definitely. So like we said, we're going to be doing a second episode on this. We're going to be chatting more. We're going to chat about over-tourism, um, exploiting cultures and people, and just some like general tips on how to be a good traveler. So if you found this show helpful, it would be great if you'd give us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this show with a travel-loving pal. That's how we grow, and we really appreciate it now that we've celebrated our first anniversary. We're ready to rocket launch. Forge forward. Forge forward into the future. And maybe travel. (laughs) Oh, travel. (laughs) And offset our carbon emissions. (laughs) Exactly. That's why we're here, people. Well, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.